Hey, what's going on? Greetings and good day, and welcome to the 161st edition of Birds All Day. My name is Drew Fair Service. Uh, we are here talking about your Toronto Blue Jays, who are uh, kind of limping along a little bit here, but still playing tough against a very good team, um, and, and a team, of course, around which there is no lack of, uh, of talking points. And, uh, and to take up the charge, to, to get in and, uh, I don't know, analyze, dig down, dig deep on the team, uh, joining me as always. Dr. Jordan Peterson. <laughs> don't forget to wash your, pe- your penis, <laughs> Jordan. Yeah. Uh, old reliable. Um, old reliable, Mr. James Stoughton. Stoughton, uh, how are you? I just weep. I just weep for, for men. That just, <laughs> just makes... Just, I'm sorry. I just... Um, <laughs> <laughs> you've taken so i didn't mention this of course uh, before we go too far we want to uh you know it doesn't really mean anything um uh, coming from us but of course our thoughts are with all of the um everyone impacted and affected and the and of course the victims and their families of the uh the terrible attack on uh on monday here in toronto where a uh a very troubled young man did something very uh, troubling indeed and i hope it allows for a um real conversation about about the, that that you were just sort of mocking the the Jordan Peterson type of uh kind of toxic masculinity and toxic misogyny and just I don't know talk to the this happens every day these people are people are being radicalized or however you want to look at it um and it's it's these are dangerous people who are being compelled by dangerous ideas that are dressed up as irony and dressed up as as, as ironic detachment from from society, but there are lots of lots of men, many many men uh, who are uh, uh, withdrawing from society and feel cheated. I think by what their expectations of what their lives were going to be like. So if you, the reason I'm saying this is if you know anyone who could be a candidate, if it's a cousin or a brother or your son or your whoever else, uh, reach out to them. Or, or if you're not comfortable reaching out to them, um, find someone who can. Um, because all these people are being, uh, these guys are being left behind, and now we're seeing these awful, um, uh, continuing to see awful things. That isn't necessarily new, but these extra lights are being shone on these uh, sick and deranged and lonely and fucked up people. So let's hopefully we can uh, clear get. I don't know, whatever. Let's. Well, it's 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 shitty. Yeah, here here. Though I would like to make excruciatingly clear. Uh, had I known you were going to say that, I would not have been doing funny voices off the top. No, you're right. I had uh, the, the, I had no there. idea that was coming. I was just riffing. No, I, I just I just yes. like mocking the uh, shitty people. But uh, but yes, uh, sometimes those shitty people uh, and their ideas for lulls or for whatever the fuck they do get, uh, which are trash, garbage ideas anyway, get taken and and warped through weird brain prisms of other people that uh, result in really bad things. And, and uh, yeah, the, we should not, uh, we should not take so lightly the awfulness that is in some of those things and, and that people legitimize and want to take seriously and want to, I, I've had too many people, I mean, maybe it's because I live in fucking Peterborough these days, but I've had too many people being like, oh, no, no, there's, there's some, there's some merit to some, what some of these types of people, no, get fucked. Yeah, that, I had this discussion earlier this evening at a at an outing, uh, a work outing, where it was 
long story short, punch a Nazi. That there are no two sides and they, anyone who is aligning themselves with these ideas, whether it is ironic or not or lulzy, as you mentioned, um, those ideas, the, those stances, those beliefs do not have a place in the society that we have built uh, and spend hundreds of years working towards a civil society. They don't belong. Tolerating them is not an option um, because it only sows more terribleness and uh and and, and the what about elism and you know one i, I don't know i yeah i'm, I'm uh, getting i get fired up but anyway uh, this is a weird that. way to start a baseball podcast but I, I i don't know i'm glad we did but yeah you're right but you're right it's it is it's it's ridiculous it's fucked up and the punch a nazi thing is like yeah I, yeah I, I i i get that you that you realize you can't say what you believe so you like cover yourself you drape yourself in the idea of free speech but you know free speech goes as far as the point where you want to start fucking up other people's shit and legitimately harming people and then at that point uh you can fuck right off and your your free speech rights have become revoked i'm sorry uh you don't get to hurt other people uh, with your ideas go go as be go be a, a piece of shit elsewhere i, I don't know go to, or Whatever, get punched. Fuck you. Uh, yeah, the la- I think you made a good point, which is that the, the the toxic ideas or these 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 antisocial ideas that slowly erode the sort of collective good that we are striving towards, which we have never never achieved, but slowly retracting those that that basic goodness or basic decency um, has serious repercussions, and I think we're seeing more and more of that today. Um, um, as the tools that are available to people to allow these ideas to fester and grow, yeah, well, or have, have changed even if the ideas haven't. I know. I, I mean, I know we, we didn't plan this. I swear, people. I'm sorry. We'll stop talking about it. But, <laughs> but no. But it, but seriously, the the cloaking the, the these horrible ideas in the rhetoric of oh, I'm just about free speech is one of the most frustrating things, and it's a tactic, and it's a thing that is like the both sidesism in a very you know in a very different way where mm-hmm. it's like people have under people people with terrible ideas and terrible <laughs> and terrible plans and and just just garbage garbage subhuman garbage uh have recognized a way to exploit the good faith of other people and act in bad faith by talk, making these things about free speech or making things about well you got to hear both sides or making things about mm-hmm. you know, uh, exploiting Exploiting the systems that we use to discuss things with, with each other in order to advance their ideas in bad faith, and uh, and and that's something that needs to be reckoned with. And that's I, that does that that's kind of I don't know that that's maybe different from the weird subcultures and fucked up things that are happening that has, have something to do with with what happened in Toronto this week and. Uh, you know, we could talk about that for a long time, but we probably shouldn't. But, but mm. I, I don't know. You know, making it understood that that those people are bad, and those and and those ideas are bad, and people are are not acting in good faith when they when they push back the way they do against them uh, is, I think, an important thing to say it in as vague a way as possible. I guess. But even though those, though, again, so our, our thoughts and. Our, uh, we're yeah. thinking of the, the everyone who was affected by that, but of course, uh, you know, as it does, uh, you know, the sporting world went on. The Blue Jays, in fact, um, you know, took to the field not Monday but Tuesday, and uh, in a you know a nice moment. It's only it's only sports. It's only a, a baseball game. 
uh, doesn't change anything, doesn't doesn't salve any of the wounds. But uh, uh, the Blue Jays won. They won in, a, in dramatic fashion. Curtis Granderson hit a walk-off home run off Craig Kimbrell, which is something that does not happen too, too very often. And uh, that ever so briefly, and by those of us who were uh, you know, blissfully un, un, you know, not directly impacted by what happened on Monday. Uh, you know, a bit of a ray of sunshine, a bit of a bit of a nice moment, and uh, couldn't happen to a nicer guy, Curtis Granderson. Um, the nice moment, just up and walking around. I mean, um, it, well, you know, a, you know, Drew, he's like the movie Titanic. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Did you? I, I don't know if you caught that. This, I wrote about this today because Ross Atkins was on Buster Olney's podcast this week. Uh, talked about Curtis Granderson, had nothing but good things to say about him. Uh, and for the second time uh, that I've heard, at least, uh, referenced the film Titanic, which I believe beca- is because Ross Atkins checked out of popular culture in about 1997 and just full-time was like, I'm a super baseball nerd and I am doing I am doing baseball. I am having a family and I am having doing baseball things. And that's mm-hmm. it. But he, but he was like, you know how like everybody's talking about a movie like Titanic, and 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 it's all getting hyped, and you go and and you're like, oh, I can't possibly be as good as you expect it to be, and everybody says, mm-hmm. and you do, and it is. Well, that's Curtis Granderson. He's incredible, and that was probably the more important thing to to uh, to take away from what he was talking about because he, you know, they they have been over the moon about Granderson, but the but it was that hard. <laughs> It was hard not to be like, themselves to be un, unrepentant <laughs> nerds in the process. Yeah, I think so. Which is cool. Good for the, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Titanic Ross, update your fucking movies, bro. Um. It basically, I, I think what if I if Ross Atkins is listening to this, which he isn't, but some maybe when someone wants to shoot him a note that what he just described is not Titanic. He is describing Curtis Granderson as John Wick. Curtis Granderson is now. He's the nice guy version of John Wick. So that's a good nickname that we can roll with. Except, And Curtis Granderson seems like the kind of guy, if you heard his dog, he'd go bananas too. There you go. <laughs> there you go, Ross Atkins. John Wick is right there just waiting for you to pick it up and run with it. Um, uh, John, John, John Wick too lived up to the hype too, I thought. Did it? I don't know. I was. I don't know what – I don't know. I didn't like it as much as I wanted to. I mean, it wasn't I, John Wick. But it was, I, I don't know. I was very pleased. I was happy to go see it. It was uh, it was a John Wick movie, which is weird to say because it's, there's only two of them. But no, it was lovely. It was uh, John Wick doing John Wick things. What more do you want? That's that's what it is. The the, the first John Wick is amazing. Uh, the second one was, I think they were just eh, just trying a little too hard. Okay. To like build like I loved everything about the first one. The way they, the way they kind of built that world was that they it wasn't. They didn't hitch over the face with it and be like, "This is there's this underworld that mm-hmm. exists." It, they, it was presented for you. And the second one, it felt more like there's an underworld. Like, yeah, it, just, it was just very like much a bit, a bit much. Yeah, absolutely for sure. Okay. But obviously, the action, the action, the set pieces were terrific. And Keanu Reeves is like, uh, he's really good in that role. Obviously, as uh, being playing a blank slate comes, he comes by <laughs> honestly. Um, but anyway, Curtis Granderson yeah. is John Wick. He is, uh, and he is as we've seen. Um, when, since uh, he has joined the Blue Jays, it's everything that Blue Jays could ever want and more. Of course, this is not necessarily the real Curtis Granderson, but who cares? All these home runs and all these walks and all these, um, you know, high quality at bats in high, in high important moments, they all count. Well, it's um, also, though, I would say, you know, closer to the real Curtis Granderson than, you know, 
saying that may may lead on because he is being deployed correctly in a platoon mm. where he mm-hmm. is getting every advantage of facing right-handed pitchers and never seeing a lefty because Steve Pierce is around. So, uh, you know, if you look at his splits over the last several years, like, no, the guy. Could, I mean, this is still better than what you should expect of a Curtis Granderson who is being very shielded uh, from left-handed pitching. But, uh, but yeah, no, he can hit right-handers. It's 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 good. It's nice. It's uh, what? Uh, yeah, he. It's like, have you seen Titanic? <laughs> I would love for Curtis Granderson to offer me one gold coin. Um, <laughs> I'm also at the point where. It's interesting to hear Ross Atkins uh, describe the uh, kind of cult of personality. In, well, maybe not cult of personality. People love to love Curtis Granderson. And if that positive impact rubs off on, again, the younger players and the way that they conduct themselves and if they can, uh, wins and losses aside, if people can like, I'm going to be a good person like Curtis Granderson is a good person, the world is a better place. So uh, thank you, Curtis Granderson, for quite literally making the world a better place. Taking hitting home runs off of uh off of Craig Kimbrell in tie ball games at home makes the world a better place. It's it's it, the, uh, the weird thing about it is sorry I, it sounds like you're about to move on but the the funny thing about it is is that if it seems it's it's almost like it's by design, you know, it's a it's a transition year. It's mm-hmm. uh, the Jays have the opportunity to, you know, it's easy to talk about Guerrero and Bichette, but there's a bunch of guys who are young who have have never played in the big leagues who are at Buffalo or, or, or now, you know, Guriel, Teoscar Hernandez on the big league team who are coming through, who could, could use, and it, it may seem prescient to have built a roster with veterans who can be, you know, excellent role models, guys who will be willing to help, you know, all those, all those, you know, positive things, all those things that you can laud Curtis Granderson for and just somebody like, you know, it it sounds like the, it sounds like the Jays are very conscious of that and conscious of the culture that they're creating and, and think about it, not just in sort of a a one-off way, but it's a very, it's very much tied into their player development philosophy and things that they really want to do. Uh, and yet also if Jay Bruce would have taken that deal, they probably would have Jay Bruce instead of Curtis Granderson. Not to say that Jay Bruce is a bad person. I am not saying that at all. I have no idea, but he, I mean, he's, he's, he can't, he's no Curtis Granderson. He can't. Who among us? Right. Exactly. Who among us. Exactly. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, if nothing else, it's good to see, uh, not even a gamble, but like a strategy paying, uh, solid dividends early on. Um, uh, you know, like again, provide, be, be a part of the good platoon, help maybe float the club a little bit as, as other players have their ups and downs. And then maybe again, you, it's never a bad thing for a player on a one year deal who is, a valued veteran presence to be swinging the bat well for both D, uh, uh pierce and granderson if the if the time comes to make a move if whether or not it's a move because you're clearing the decks because the team is out of contention or if it's well we need to add, we have an opportunity to add maybe a younger player to our roster and let's clear out a spot while getting something in return as opposed to being like let's pay Kendrick Morales to go away you know what i mean like you know, you hate to lose one of those players, but if it's like we need to, you know, the, the time is now. Here he comes. 
we need a roster spot. Oh, let's, you know, there, we have a, a nice trade offer on the table for one or both of those players because other ones are maybe less mobile. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. You, I mean, you, you say Morales. Obviously, nobody's going to trade for Morales at this point. But also, in the, no. in, in the only interview with Atkins, said the very same thing is that you made sure that in, in, in lauding Granderson, and he mentioned Morales, he said, you know, in a very similar way, Morales is, is a, mm-hmm. is a similar guy that they, they like very much. I, I used a quote that only said that it was like, Oh, you, you know, the Royals would tell you that he'd go into, he'd go into the room, watch film on a pitcher, break him down, come up, come out with a game plan for everybody. And that's the kind of, you know, that's the, that's the kind of thing that you heard about Morales that, you know, made it, you know, an intangible that, made it seem like, uh, you know, the deal could work as long as he hits a little bit, and he hasn't, but uh, obviously. Uh, but Atkins was pretty clear in when he was talking about it is that, you know, he's a, he likes to use the term powerful. He's like, that's really powerful when you have a guy like Granderson who's do, who's this and this and this and performing. And he said, you know, if, mm-hmm. if Morales gets the, his bat going and he's this and this and this and performing, but that's always, that's always there. Like, if the guy, you know, you could be the best guy in the world and not perform and... Well, you know anything that you can, anything you're contributing in that, those other ways, uh, not maybe it doesn't fall on deaf ears, but it just it doesn't have to carry the same weight. It's like we saw, you know, years ago with the uh, the stupid fucking Omar Vizquel babysitting Brett Laurie year or whatever they were doing there, where it's like no Derosa babysat. Oh, that's right, Derosa did. Yeah, but yeah, so uh, Vizquel was just sort of the last man on the roster, but he's a veteran. He's been there. He's a legend mm-hmm. uh, to certain people, I suppose, and and. Uh, and it's like, yeah, but you just you, you, that the guy, the twenty fifth man on the roster can't be that guy. It seems, no. and, and that's just, I mean, that that just seems to be how the room works. Especially uh, when they are the the twenty fifth man on the roster, and they're in their forties, and they're supposed to be brought on as a veteran presence, but somehow they end up complaining about their playing time and like <laughs> whining their way out of town a little bit, yeah, and but, not making yeah. any friends in their last big league stop, yeah. But so, but, uh, but, but so to to the point of you know bringing up Kendry's, uh, you know, mm. there are many good things about him apparently, but uh, ultimately he does well, he does he's gonna have to he's gonna have to perform or he's gonna very quickly become that guy. Who needs to mm-hmm. who who when the decks need to be cleared, uh, he's the one getting fucking spun off into the sun. Mm-hmm. Well, at, well, as I said, you know, I, when I said paying him to go away, as in just like eating the salary and then to make a to to which is a net negative on the team versus obviously losing a good player, be it Granderson or a valuable player, be it Granderson or Pierce, but then you're inevitably going to get some kind of an asset. Um, some kind of a player who can help the team either now or in the future in return. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other, other thing, uh, you've mentioned this a few different times. You sort of uh, tiptoed around the uh, connection between uh, Lourdes Gurriel and, and Kendrys Morales. And um, is it that he's uh, like, they have the same agent or like there's sort of a. Yeah, well, they, they, I mean, it's been funny in seeing Gurriel come up and talking about, like, you know, calling Morales his brother and, and being mm-hmm. obviously sort of in awe of it. I mean, Morales was a, was a superstar in Cuba, right? Like he was, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's hard to remember at this point, but because he's, he's been in the big leagues for so long and, and, and has had good success in the big leagues and did the whole mm-hmm. broke his, broke mm-hmm. his ankle thing and might've had an even better career. But when he was, when he defected, when he was in Cuba, it was one when the Cuban league was a lot stronger than it is now because it's been watered down because it's become not, not necessarily easier to get to North America, but that path has been, has been tread a bit more, you know, Morales came over. Mm-hmm. I, I, 
I don't even want to, you know, 2004, five earlier somewhere, you know, it's, it, it, it was, it wasn't, he wasn't too much after, you know, Levon and Orlando Hernandez and guys like that, you know, it wasn't, mm-hmm. uh, and it, he had an enormous profile. He was a he. He was the star of Cuban baseball, from what I understand, from having read about it mm-hmm. when he came over. And and so I, you know, I don't know that there's necessarily. I, I don't know what their personal connection is, but there's a reverence there that obviously can be rooted to that. Guriel's dad was a star as well, so I, I don't. I, I but he, he was calling him his brother. They do share an agent. Uh, well, your suggestion was that maybe <laughs> signing Mora- Kendra's Morales was a bit of like a make good and uh, helping to secure the uh, services of Lourdes Guriel. That was like what a, I implied. You, you yes. scratched my back. Yes. And so, it, though, and though, it, it, could, though it could work the other way too. It could be like, it could be Guriel signed first and it could be like, I, I, I don't know. It could be. He. This is somebody he wants to be in the organization with. Like maybe not like Blue Jays. You have mm-hmm, to do this mm-hmm. to get this guy, as opposed to like this is a this is a way. This will this could be a deal breaker for Guriel to be in an organization with somebody. But also, you know, he has a brother who uh, who plays as as we know, and uh, and mm. and so maybe it's, so to to make to think that that might have been the factor. I don't know, but. Uh, it's interesting. It's it, it, it. I worry about you know. I because I didn't. I did not make. I I I sort of strongly intimated that, but I didn't come out and say mm-hmm. it because one, I have no fucking idea, and also it's a little bit weird. It's mm-hmm. like because one on one hand, some of the deals that are going on in Latin America with the you know the underage prospects. Uh, are shady or are not are not what they say they are basically right i mean we're we're already seeing guys who are like oh he's strongly favored to sign with this team which i saw somebody tweet i don't know if keith keith law was snarking about this earlier this week or somebody on twitter was was like mm-hmm. like when you when you see the 15 year old who's gonna, a july 2nd guy is strongly linked to this team it just means they already have a deal in place and it's going to happen and it's something that we know from from mm-hmm. guerrero and from other guys of that you know of, from that uh, mechanism to get players into the organization is that, you know, like we heard that Vlad Guerrero was going to sign with the Jays months before it happened, or we heard that they were strong favorites, quote unquote. And, uh, and of course it happened mm-hmm. because, you know, it, it, they, they, things do change. They can change. I think Ronald Acuna was saying uh, that he had a last minute change, but he was a guy who signed for, I think a hundred thousand dollars as opposed to Guerrero, mm-hmm. who was, you know, the top top of the class mm-hmm. uh so not to not to totally i i just i hesitate in casting aspersions on the nature of some of the dealings in that part of the world but also there's that's there uh and i don't know it's just it's just it's a little coincidental that the jays really rushed into getting a guy like morales uh at a time when the market maybe they they jumped the market one but then also very quickly looked like they overpaid the market and part of that might be the intangibles we were talking about but also that it was so close to when they signed Guriel and they obviously have a relationship they're represented by the same agency it's interesting uh but also I kind of maybe say that just to shut people up about Kendry's maybe like oh maybe it's maybe it's not so bad maybe that maybe if that was the cost of doing business then maybe it's not so bad I don't know is is it uh, I'm is it the end of the world if if that's how it went down? I, no, I, I don't think so. I don't know that I'm necessarily offended by it as as a person. It, it, you know, 
get what you you get what you need to get. You know, you, yeah, you you scratch my back, I'll scratch no, I, I, no, I, I'm fine. As long as as long as people, oh, you, know, I mean, you don't want a twenty two million dollar fucking uh, utility guy. Damn right, I do. I think that he has, um, you know, of course, Lourdes Gurriel was called up um, this week and made his major league debut and had a bunch of this week, last week. And, uh, anyway, I can't even tell the days apart anymore. Um, but, uh, you know, he had a couple knocks uh, early on. And I think he's a pretty people have been uh, competent or, or, uh, or complimentary of his uh, of his defense so far. I think he looks the part. Um, the scouting reports are starting to really pick up, I guess, based on the way he swung the bat um, in double mm-hmm. A. Uh, this year, and, very small, uh, but no, no. He's, I think he's hit the ball hard. It is what skews things a little sometimes. I think are uh, what is, whatever the name of the clowns who fucking call the games on TV for the Blue Jays are, uh, who just keep you know keep mm. telling us that Alemis <laughs> Diaz is great, and it's like you look at he's got a two seventy eight on base or something like that, and and, uh, mm-hmm. and and you know Guriel gets a lot of praise as well. I don't know. If, I don't know if you ever noticed, but they sound they they, te- they tend to be. Fond of the Yankees too. They they will occasionally say nice things about Yankees players, which is they'll work a Jeter reference into literally every game, um, which is <laughs> just unbelievable. But no, I so some sometimes I mean I know I, just when you're saying oh the scouting reports and so people, people are talking one way about Guriel being good and it's like the back of my mind I'm like yeah is that just because Pat Tabler has nothing better to say but like oh he looks like a ball player, big and strong. I think the scouting reports. <laughs> I don't know which one I read, I but it was right, definitely yeah. like he looks like a, he looked like a different guy in Double A. I think was uh, was something that, that that I sort of remember well, he, reading. Um, he also, had interesting, all that time off, interesting yeah. that you mentioned. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, not to say that he's going to come out and turn, suddenly be you know Carlos Correa, but uh, if his glove is able to stick it short. Um, then he's the kind of guy who could have a long career because he's he's he, he's big, and if he could play shortstop and run the bases and do whatever else, um, and hit a little bit, even if it's just gap to gap singles and doubles, whatever. Um, you do mention the Ledmus Diaz, who um, obviously started out pretty well uh, for the Blue Jays and hit a bunch of home runs. I I, I looked and uh, his numbers uh, uh, early in, early days as it is are way 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 worse than I expected. <laughs> Yeah, he has four home runs and like literally nothing else at this point, something like that. He he has four home runs, but he also has a sixty-six weighted runs Oof. created plus, which is tough to do unless unless your name is Ian Desmond, because if you're Ian Desmond and you play in Colorado, your home runs are worthless, as it would <laughs> seem, because you Ian Desmond also has four home runs. Ian Desmond has a 36 weighted runs created Jesus. <laughs> which almost seems impossible it seems impossible you know, what, but, what, uh, what geniuses what brand geniuses getting uh, getting out from that tulo contract that they did in colorado and then immediately they giving one like, roped themselves right <laughs> into another one that division is pretty good man that nl west i uh i don't i I feel for the Giants, who are like a pretty good team and spent a took on a lot of money, and they are not good enough to win that division. But I think they're still pretty good. Didn't they just take a bunch of um, old people, isn't? Aren't they just a retirement home? Well, I mean, they've only got old. They got McCutcheon for another year, and they, but they've got a lot of years for for Longoria. Um, those are like the two kind of well, and and those are the guys that are the oldest and the ones whom they have kind of 
bet this year on, I think. McCutcheon is actually, I, I haven't looked at his numbers, but he has looked um, uh, pretty good. He's looked like more like the old Andrew McCutcheon, to his eternal credit. Nope, never mind. Take that back. <laughs> Not look like the... <laughs> Whoops, spoke too soon about McCutcheon. I had that visions of that walk-off home run um, stuck in my head. And as it turns out, he looks like the old Andrew McCutcheon, only not as only worse, uh, but still early. Um, but the Diamondbacks, man, the, the D-backs are ridiculous. I am a believer in that team. Not that they are uh, going to finish 17-7, and seven, but they, they just got a lot of good players. And they got some really nice pitchers and... I don't know. That seems Featuring pretty Yankee good. Patrick Corbin and, and uh, Zach Greinke and yeah, no, I I never I don't understand the diamond. No, Zach Greinke's bad. bad. He, right? He's yeah. bad. He's the he's the worst one. I don't understand the Diamondbacks. To uh, be perfectly fucking honest with you, but that's I would need to watch more NL West ball. I suppose. <sighs> Wait till Paul Goldschmidt gets hot from his. Uh, he's only got a one fifty way to runs created plus. He's still got lots of room to grow. But anyway, let me Diaz. Yeah, all this is all working towards my master plan, mm-hmm. which is, of course, all of the middle infielders are just all so bad. They don't have any choice but to call up Bo Bichette. It all works. It all plays. It's all done. So, uh, it's not a bad plan. Uh, though Tulo, your friend and mine. Tries oh, yeah, he's back. Baseball doing activity, yeah. Baseball activity. Uh, obviously, to say that we're rude, I, I mean, I'm rooting for Tulo. I'd love to see him come back and play and I don't know if he'd redeem himself or be like, oh, look, it's the best player in the National League again. No, that those days yeah. are gone. Um, but the very least, you want to see him be able to get back and play. Or or he can do be like David Wright and be like a just a watch, walking heartbreak. Yeah. Show up spring training every year, be like, I'm here to play, boys. And then they'd be like, nope, you can't play, you're hurt. And then you'd be like, cool, I'm going to go take my $21 million and go home. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is something though, which I, I mean, I think David, in David Wright's circumstance, there's good reason to, uh, to put, to put the man on the DL and to, to do what they're doing with it. But I keep seeing these people because the Jays have a roster crunch. This just it keeps driving me nuts on Twitter being like, oh, mm-hmm. maybe Randall Gritchick needs to wink, wink, go on the disabled list to work him, to work some things out. Or like, talk, I, I, we, I know that we joke about, you know, right arm shittiness and stuff like that. It's like people. Mm-hmm. The disabled list doesn't really work that way. Like, like there are sometimes things that sort of that, that uh, push the boundaries, but uh, it's that you don't see a lot of grievances between the league and the union because of like teams insisting to put healthy guys on the disabled list. But uh, that's because they don't really do it a lot because it's because because mm. you you can't do that. It's like either it's like no. Keep him on the roster, or let him be a free agent. Like that's kind of where we're at. So I just wanted to just wanted to address the the half joking people, hopefully half joking people. I keep seeing on the Twitter, being like, "Yeah, well, we'll just 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 put him put Morales on the DL, and then when he comes back, put Gritchick on it, and we'll we'll just use the DL to like cycle through guys and keep the roster." It's like it doesn't. That's not really a thing. Buddy, um, one thing I I'm a little surprised by this. Um, for the balance of their careers, David Wright is like a significantly better player than Troy Tulowitzki, which I don't know that I would have bet on. I, it's just it's it's sad to think about Tulowitzki. I would assume David Wright has a lot more 
healthy games. Like he was good. He was healthy and good for a long time, and then became the walking nightmare. He has maybe fewer. Well, he has. He's played about two hundred fifty more games in his career, but he's been worth like twelve more wins, thirteen more wins, way higher way to runs created plus. Of course, he injury in some ways kind of like saved Mm -hmm. saved David Wright from decline, um, which doesn't really like make his case but Tulowitzki has you know is already in the state of, uh, dragging his career numbers down to not diminish them but they still don't quite measure measure up to to David Wright um especially and then when you factor in um Colorado he's uh it's just not the same player which uh, is shocking but yeah, anyway I guess that either. No. Uh, okay well let's do this now then let's do the Randall Gritchick thing um uh despite all of the the barrels and things like that. It's just not, things aren't, they're not falling for Randall Gritchick. Are they? No, it's, it's awful to watch. Yeah. I mean, the strikeouts are still through the roof. He's maybe done some walking, but, uh, it, not done a lot of hitting. He hasn't. He, I, the thing is for me, uh, people are getting very frustrated with him and it's, it, it's understandable, but it's also like, They've seen, you know, Jays, most Jays fans have seen him up close for less than a month now. And mm-hmm. they've seen him really bad, really bad in terms of results. Not, I don't think his best in terms of uh, not even just results, but approach and all that, all that other stuff. Like, I don't think it's just that he's getting bad luck. I don't think he's been right. He also had that wrist thing. At the end of spring training, I wonder about that. But then also you look, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. also you look at the the exit velocities and stuff, and it's like, well, he's striking the ball as hard as he ever does. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's. We talked about this last week. You can't you can't try to pass him through waivers. You gave up too much for him. You have too much control over him. He's been too mm-hmm. good in the past for you to just try to slide him through waivers and not do it. So you kind of, I mean, you got to do what they're doing. Right now, which maybe doesn't help because maybe regular at bats would be ideal, but also I think th- there is a huge element of luck in there. I think I think a few more, you know, just even a few more hits would make one the numbers. I mean, obviously, it would make the numbers look good. Maybe it, maybe it changes the something about his his mentality, his confidence. If you want to get into chasing ghosts like that, uh, but I don't mm-hmm. know. Like he's like he is not a fundamentally different player than he was. At the end of last season, or we was, you know, when you looked at the guy that he was when the Jays acquired him and were kind of excited and thought, like, or maybe not even necessarily excited, but thought, okay, this is a guy who can be useful. Like, we can't just erase all that in 20 games, I don't think. Uh, I don't think anybody would, but, uh, but yeah, it's tough to watch. I don't know. It's, it's just, it's just one of those things. It, it, it will, it will turn around, but to <laughs> what end will it turn around, right? Like, he had a 94 weighted runs created plus last year. Uh, the years where he doesn't, get the Babbitt block if you want you know he's because he doesn't walk all he does is hit home runs and and uh mm-hmm. and, and strike out basically <laughs> like when as as his Babbitt goes so goes randall gritchick and uh mm-hmm. and right now it ain't going well based on his approach he's never going to be a high um the balls aren't going to fall in um i think again just taking a quick like kind of surface look well also, not necessarily a surface look, but if I'm just kind of scanning his Fangraphs page, and then you start to play like sample size games. But I mean, I, I made a joke about him because um, people are, especially with his 
exit velocities are all really strong and this and that. But I wondered about his um, launch angle. Mm-hmm. And and as it turns out, uh, he's been hitting a lot of pop-ups, right? He's hitting the ball way up in the air and he's not uh, – or hitting a lot of fly balls and maybe not driving the ball like you would want to. But he, it, it, if you look at the last two weeks, for example, just hit the old last 14 days, what he has done, um, interestingly enough, is walk. He's mm-hmm. walked um, – a bunch, you know, for, for him. Uh, he still strikes out a bunch. But so maybe not turning it around, but his numbers over the last couple of weeks are much better, powered by by a couple of those, you know, those walks. But I saw somebody tweet that, he doesn't that have, uh, uh, he's had a higher on base since April 8th than uh, Russell Martin. I'm not setting the bar very high, but I think more comment on Martin right. than Gritchick. But, but yeah. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't have the benefit of a, of a, of a of a strong start, right? So he had the one uh, week where he, he drew a bunch of walks. Uh, sorry, like so, he didn't have the benefit of a good start. So even though he's he's maybe drawing some walks and and he could be potentially close to turning it around, he doesn't have that goodwill to fall back on. Because if you play that kind of small sample size game and say like, oh, what happened in the last fourteen days? Um, there are quite a few Blue Jays who who do not um, come out so well. And like, I'll throw a name at you. Is uh, Justin Smoke, right? Smoke has has cooled off. He obviously hit a bunch of home runs in the first in the first week in the very early yeah. days of the season and when there is a lot of attention. The been and he's hit. been yeah. he's been putrid, like really bad over the last two weeks. So does that last two weeks mean anything? Does that mean that he's a bad hitter now? No, but it is. He's been half the hitter in that you know fifty forty at bat sample than Grichuk has. Um, but there's no one calling for Justin Smoke's job, no one calling for Justin Smoke's head because he proved last year and then also in the first week of the season when there's all that extra attention that he's fine. Mm-hmm. But quietly, he's been bad. But, but I guess, yeah, the thing with with, uh, with Randall Gitchick is that there isn't a lot of a lot you can do uh, until, you, until you are the Blue Jays and you see things in him that are broken, frankly. You got to keep running him out there, mm-hmm. more or less, because he is your right fielder. Because he is out of options, and this was a risk you ran when you uh, uh, traded valid players, you know, valid big league players, or and a and a player with still a lot of prospect capital attached to his name. You you ran this risk that he was going to be bad, and you were going to be kind of stuck with him and not having a lot of ways to help get him right. So it's either a matter of like work through it, or if it doesn't improve, then you have to figure, well, if, if we're at this desperate point, somebody else is probably going to let him slip through as well. Maybe. Or, I mean, at, at yeah, at some point, I mean, you got a few outfielders at this point, really. I mean, you don't, you, you know, I, I, I have been. You got a lot of outfielders. I've been as reluctant, I've been as reluctant on Hernandez as anybody, but, uh, but, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you can't. You, oh, well, don't we're we're gonna get to oh, that. Good. Don't worry. You, that, I mean, that's, but, all, that's all. That's on the. But you can't get rid. Of, I mean, maybe maybe at some point a trade. I mean, some team as, as you know, you may take a loss on it, but at some point, some mm-hmm. like some team will. You shouldn't have to lose Gritchick on waivers. You should be able to find a team that'll be like, okay, we'll give you something for it. We'll give you pennies on the on the dollar that you paid for it, or we'll give you 
50 cents on the dollar that you paid for it, but we'll give you something. And mm-hmm. maybe and maybe at some point you look around and you see Teoscar Hernandez, you see Pearson Granderson going well, you see Pilar going well, and, and Anthony Alford behind him and Dalton Pompey is starting to hit well. Uh, maybe you need to maybe you need to stick one of the young the maybe you know Guerrero or Bichette in the outfield at some point. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's a fun idea. Um, and feel that he's just surplus to requirements, and and that you can be fine without having to to deal with this and cut your losses. I I, I think that I think that we're a long way from that. I don't I don't see that happening anytime. I mean, trades don't really happen at this time of year anyway. But uh, mm-hmm. but maybe that's where it ends up going. I mean, I think that they're probably gonna give him at least another month. I mean, if it, if he has another, if he has a May like he did in April, at some point, and I think we were talking about this last week too. At some point, it's it, I believe you said you know you can look at the exit velocities all you want, but it's the with Donaldson thing. It's not the it's not the try league. It's the it's the get shit done league. It's the do league or whatever the fuck you said. Mm-hmm. Um, so for now, you know, I as much as you know, he's probably played twenty games, twenty odd games, uh, maybe less because he's been he's there's, he's been off because he's just been so bad. Uh, you know, that shouldn't be enough to fundamentally change what you think about the guy, and you should believe that he can at least be as competent as he was last year, and ideally better because he's had you know he's got a, he's got a three win year under his belt or something like that, a three and a half win year. He's been pretty mm-hmm. consistently a couple win player, uh, a guy that I think. A lot of people, when that trade happened, and you know, rightly thought, okay, that's that's a deal. I you know, I understand that's raising the floor. That's a guy who is going to be much better than Jose Bautista was last year because he's going to give you defense and he's going to give you some home runs and and you know, it's it's going to be it's going to be better. I and we, that shouldn't change as ugly as it has been to watch. He's a guy who's going to look ugly, I think, at the best of times, and that's maybe part of it too. Is that like just the way like he strikes out a lot, so fans are going to look at it and be like, "He sucks. He's fucking terrible." And it's like, mm-hmm. you know what? He'll probably have a he probably has a, he'll have a run in him where he you know hits a few home runs, bunch doubles, and and walks a little bit and. Yeah, all the strikeouts will still be there, and if you looked at it sort of with the same disdain for him, you might see a lot of the things that make you think right now, oh, yeah, that guy fucking sucks. He's lost up there. He doesn't know what he's doing. But it's like, no, I think that's just him. I think that's what it, that's just what he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not, like I said like I said earlier, like not, you know, the, not exactly the same as always. Like I think that he is he's, – he's not doing exactly what he needs to be doing or what he's capable of right now. It's not just luck. But uh, but yeah, I, I think that he'll he'll look like this a lot, and it will feel like he's terrible garbage when uh, <laughs> when the balls aren't falling in for him, and it, it really only takes a few to to pump falling those over the out. fence. Yeah, falling. That's the only place they're going to fall over the well, fence. Mostly, yeah. They're not going to fall in anywhere. They're going to go over the fence, or they're not going to go anywhere. Um, you did touch on another name I wanted to look at, which is uh, Russell Martin. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't look good? No, Th- things have not been have not gone uh, Russell Martin's way so far. Um, I think it, uh, we were always quick to praise his approach and praise his ability to draw walks, and that's been sort of the the um, the provided the bulk of his um, value at the plate over the last two years, in particular, as his um, kind of uh, slugging percentage or whatever. You know, his ability to drive the ball is sort of. Um, it waned a little bit, but now 
it's it's basically only his walks are kind of well, his his only saving grace in a lot of ways. Uh, for now, is, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think we could have had this conversation. I mean, he's got, we could have had this conversation yeah. last year at the time, you know, and I think the year before too. And it's like he's been that guy over the last two or three years, where it's like he'll have a bad month where all he gives you is walks, and then he'll mm-hmm. have three months where he's pretty good, and then he'll have two more bad months, or you know, it's. Uh, which which is the saving grace more so to, for me than the walks is that you know hopefully uh, there's more good Russell to come and they're trying you know they're trying with the way that they're uh, deploying him and 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 being very cautious with how they use him and not trying to overuse him and keeping him as healthy as possible to to keep that possible and it's, it it is it's still it's still early. you you it's still very early it's still very early you had uh, Devin Travis uh, off the team. The last couple of weeks, how'd that work? How'd that go tonight? What what happened tonight? What did he do? I don't know. What did he do? He a, oh, he, he hit, hit a, a triple and a home run. That's right. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Doesn't mean. He, no. Well, if we're <laughs> if we're making decisions off small samples, then I think he gets to stay. He has two hits tonight, which has now upped his season total to nine. <laughs> oh no, he's been awful. He's been awful, but yeah, he's but awful. he's uh, but again, I, I I bring him up in the context of the Martin conversation because he's another mm-hmm. guy who last year had no spring training, went through April, was complete dog shit, and then carried the team in May and then got hurt. And and you know sometimes it takes a little while for for guys to get going. I don't know. And I mean Travis, not I mean Martin should be should be going by now. I don't know, but Travis for one, uh, even though he played a little more in spring, like really. Did he? What he? When, mm-hmm. when did he swing a bat after like early June last year? Like he had a real long layoff. Uh, no, you're right. That so uh, I think- it is important to be fair to Devin Travis and to think yes, he is a guy who's shown he can hit, and uh, whether in jest or or because I <laughs> yes, I'm, let's pretend uh, it was in uh, jest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but. The thing with Russell Martin, it'll be interesting to watch how the next, you know, six weeks or, or month or so play out. Because as I've said, so he, ha- he has more walks and hits. He's not necessarily looking great at the plate. Um, obviously, the results aren't there, but also he's hitting the ball straight up in the air a lot. And, uh, you know, just he's not not driving the ball is... is Kind of hard hit stat rates or barrels or whatever. I haven't. I have this. This is Fangraphs page open. Uh, it looks like there's a lot of weak contact. But so he's shown an, an ability to take pitches though, and 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 draw his walks. So as pitchers are like, well, he's not going to swing if it's a, if it's a if it's a ball. But he hasn't shown an ability to hurt anybody. So if pitchers now begin to challenge him more rather than just putting him on. If he does not have one of those Russell Martin um, runs where, where we've seen him for his whole career, and especially his career in Toronto, where he does start to hit everything and he does start to hit the ball over the fence and does start to, as you'll always hear Tabby, he's like, oh, now look, you can see him. He's looking good. He's he's hitting the ball to the opposite <laughs> power, to the right field power alley, and then the power is going to come right after, um, which is not inaccurate. But if pitchers decide that they can get away with with busting him in or just challenging Russell Martin with fastballs because uh, he's always been a pretty dead red guy, um, and he does he isn't able to respond, then it may be time to be worried. Yes, but uh, I and I think that I, I will I'll be surprised if that doesn't come now as 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 
his uh, pitchers start to approach him in a slightly different way. If it is more fastballs or 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 and, and less of the of breaking stuff again, because he does have an excellent eye, and the umpires, uh, you know, know and respect him, and he knows the strike zone so well. So why uh, mess around with a guy who you're not really you're you are becoming uh, convinced he can't hurt you? Well, and I th- I think I mean I think you're right. I think you've identified how it's going to end for him. Like one one of these years, it's going to be it just doesn't come back where he can't like they challenge mm-hmm. him and he can't hack it. Uh, hopefully it's not this one, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think you're probably right that that's, that's what it's going to look like. And he'll get a lot of rope because he's Russell Martin, because of all the intangibles and all that. And he, he deserves does. it. Yeah, he I, deserves. I think absolutely. Yeah. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, at some, at some point that's probably going to go. That's just, that is the, that's how, that's how we age. That's how, and especially, you know, like we've talked about so much with Bautista and, and other older guys, like just the more velocity that that exists in the game or as it proliferates, mm-hmm. it's just going to get harder and harder for those types. And that's how why you see guys, you know, just fall off the map. Though sometimes they, they get uh, free passes to play third base for a while. And bless, bless Alex Anthopoulos for coming for his boy. Uh, I did want to talk about the starting pitching, but I don't think that I really do. Um, the starting pitching has been uh, worrisome. But unlike maybe some of the, the guys who whose corpses we are still – we are quickly shoveling dirt onto, I'm less worried about the starting pitching. Except for this one – there's one aspect of the starting pitching that I am wary of, mm-hmm. and that is the home runs. Um, the starter, the starters in particular have given up more home runs than all but four or given up home runs at a higher rate than all but four teams, uh, in the big leagues. And that wouldn't necessarily be a, an issue, um, early in the season. Again, you can hand wave and be like, it's a sample size thing. If not for the particulars of who it is that makes up the rotation and who it is that is allowing the home runs. Yeah. Um, Obviously, Stroman has done very well throughout his career to avoid giving up the home runs, but that has always been a, a, a concern as a guy who is not as tall, who's not generating that same kind of plane, and has always got to be wary about, especially as someone who throws a lot of sinkers and, and then a lot of breaking pitches, if they are, in fact, left up in the zone, he's going to get hit and hit hard. Um, Marco Estrada, of course, is, is someone for whom the strikeouts will be the end of him, where the home runs will be the end of him whenever it comes. Um, that'll be it. And uh, and uh, Jaime Garcia, same thing. You know, he it's a it's a it's a pretty fine line for a Jaime Garcia. It's a pretty fine line for Marco Estrada, and they're not necessarily on they're on the wrong side of that fine line right now. Um, but there, I have, I am full. I'm hopeful, and I have belief that that it won't that it won't continue. That those two um, or the, some of the guys on the staff. Um, uh, can can combat that. Uh, Jay Happ has been a little bit bothered by the by the home runs, even he, though he's, he's been very good. Yeah, he's well, he just strikes everybody out. So he's just, just striking the world out, climbing the ladder, going up high with the fastball a little bit more. Maybe every so often they don't get up to the ladders where they belong. They might end up in the seats. But uh, hard to complain about Jay Happ. Uh, hard to comp- uh, complain about Aaron Sanchez, who is walking too many people. Stroman maybe less the home runs and more just like the nobody is ever getting out. Um, they just keep, they just all get reached. They reach and they reach and they reach and he gives up a run in inning. And, uh, but he's Marcus Stroman. I'm not, 
It's it's disappointing, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's, but, you know, it's I, be fine. He'll be I, fine. Now, I, he'll be fine. Uh, had you written down to talk about Aaron Sanchez? Uh, not in particular. I know you. Well, you, well, the, the, you were talking about his changeups, right? I was, but also the John Lott uh, piece from the other day about uh, he just <laughs> where he's like, yeah, I saw, saw Jay Hap uh, strike a lot of guys out, throw it up in the zone. So I thought, hey, why not try that? <laughs> literally, 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 actual Aaron Sanchez coach. I watched what Jay did the night before, exposed those guys up in the zone, and I just figured, hey. Might as well try to do the same thing. And so, and so, like, going into his start against the Red Sox uh, on, I guess, Wednesday night, the, what I had been talking about, what a bunch of people have been talking about on Twitter and, and, you know, following the team is his velocity, right? Because his velocity was down. He had a couple cold weather starts. And it, it, mm-hmm. and somebody had gotten a quote out. I think Jamie Campbell uh, passed along in a Twitter discussion a quote from Pete Walker about – no, no, that's like a, it's a, it's a bit of a deliberate thing. He, there's nothing wrong. He's, uh, he's easing back a little bit. And what it had shown, and, and uh, I was pulling stuff from Brooks, was like the the big thing on Sanchez uh, with respect to the changeup was was you know what you you mentioned and, and we talked about before is that uh, uh, too hard. You know he's throwing changeups at ninety and throwing you know with his fastball at 90, 96, 97, 98, whatever it is, uh, and it, and it's. And not necessarily maybe about separation, but just about the fact that you don't get the same movement on a 90-mile-per-hour changeup as you would on one thrown a little a little uh, less hard, a little softer. Uh, and so the changeup velocity went down with the fastball velocity, and he got great results out of the changeup. And it was kind of, you know, going into the start, I was thinking, what happens with Aaron Sanchez and his velocity? Is he going to throw, is he going to sit 90, 92, 94 again instead of, a few miles per hour higher and is that what kind of unlocks this changeup is that what makes the changeup a better pitch for him and is that maybe a way that he's going to uh to approach things from now on because that it, it seemed to it, it had gone so well and even though he has a big fastball uh that's a thing it would be nice if he could do you know keep the changeup at that at you know at the at the lower velocity and still use the bigger fastball uh but i suppose that would get into you know arm action issues and you know it would it, 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 it wouldn't you know it would be easier to recognize if you're doing it I, I suppose uh but he did not do that he was throwing it you know i think he threw it as hard i didn't look up the numbers but he just from the tv mm-hmm. gun it looked like he was throwing as hard as as, uh, as any of his starts so far this year mm-hmm. and wasn't getting ground balls and was <laughs> and was working up in the zone and literally that's what he told john after the game i don't know if there were other reporters there but like yeah i saw jay hap getting a bunch of strikeouts, exposing those guys up in the zone. So I thought, sure, I'll just... And as you know, Aaron Sanchez, uh, known for his pinpoint control. <laughs> so, of course, it seems like a great idea to just keep, you know, just experiment, whatever. Just just fuck around. See what, it, see why why, <laughs> I, I, why I, would no one have thought to try this before? <laughs> I don't know. Why would no one have, be like, hey, man, you throw really fucking hard. Why don't you try blasting it up in the zone like all of the other extremely good pitchers <laughs> in baseball right now? Everybody has spent the last 20 years <laughs> learning how to own the bottom of the zone. You throw a sinker that goes right down. Anyway, that's dumb. But that's great uh, if, he's, if, if he stumbles upon a revelation based on watching Jay Happ, who um, kind of turned his career around in a lot of ways for um, by, by learning to work yeah. kind of both both halves of the strike zone, not necessarily the, the plate, but up and, and, and down and and 
alternate and, and find four seamer and a two seamer. I don't know that, that's cool. No, I, but, I, uh, I I have no problem with Aaron Sanchez experimenting or or you know going away from something that was working for him so well mm-hmm. in the changeup, but. Uh, and also, I don't know, maybe he was a guy who, like, you know, in spring training, or from the Yankees, I think he's faced the Yankees twice and was a little bit different both times. And, and uh, you know, maybe he's setting up the next time he faces the Red Sox, he's going to try to be a different guy. I don't know. If he, if he's if he's thinking about it in, in those dimensions, I think that's probably a good thing. It would be, you know, just find something that works, buddy. That's 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 all that's all that really matters. But it's just interesting to... Uh, that the mindset going in was so one way, and he was just like, "Nope, gonna do this instead." For like the first <laughs> time in his career, it was it was a little bit of an odd, uh, odd situation, and and so uh, it's hard to be worried about a guy like that. I mean, that there's so that shows great confidence, which is good. I mean, and and feel you know, obviously his. Uh, you're probably not worried about the blister at this point. Probably not worried about a lot of things if he's just like, "Well, I'm gonna completely change my approach to everybody." Right now, and, and and feeling good about his ability to locate, which is always, you know, I joke about his pinpoint control, but that's, you know, that's always been his issue. And uh, if he feels good enough to try something like that out, that's probably good. And, and at some point, uh, you know, I think he'll. Uh, you you'd like to think that he could hit on a nice mix and and uh, and and be good. So I'm not. He's a guy I'm not worried about going forward, but I am fascinated to see where all of this goes. Uh, I'm fascinated to see where all this goes too. If he can just kind of like make it up as he's going along and just change his entire uh, modus operandi, that'd be well, pretty as, cool. As a as a Speaking. guy, as a guy who's a one pitch pitcher, right? I mean, he really only needs. Yeah, that one. no, absolutely. Like, why, why? Why not? Why not fuck around? I guess. Yeah. Speaking of fucking around, Teoscar Hernandez is going to fuck around and end up with a five win season because he doesn't know how to get out anymore. Are you ready to believe? Are you ready, Stoughton, to believe? Getting there, yeah. Uh, he just turns in good at-bats at this point. Uh, he had a really nice at-bat tonight against uh, on Thursday against Craig Kimbrell. He uh, ended up popping out. But he took some very difficult, like tough it's the Craig tapes, Kimbrell-ass yeah. pitches. He yeah. fouled off some nice pitches. Um, Kimbrell, you know, busted him up and in with like 98 or whatever it was that he ended up popping out to the right side. But um, he's drawing walks and he looks, um, I don't know, maybe it's too early to say he looks like a new guy or he looks like a better player. But I'm I'm, I'm 100% blinded by the results in the early going. But they're very exciting. So excuse me. (laughs) <laughs> for getting excited no i'm I, not going to apologize i've never told anyone not to to enjoy the production i've just been wary of what you see in his track record but also you see things that are you know and we've talked about this before but like how he he changed and you, you'll hear as much as i've deride pat tabler you know he'll talk he's, he talks about it, he's talked mentioned a couple times on the broadcast at least about how the you know he's, he's got here and the jays have kind of changed the stance a little bit he's a bit more of an open stance and uh and and that gives them i think they think of uh, the, the chance to to stay back on things a little more what, whatever the fuck it is i don't know those are that that's a that's a granular level i'm not quite capable of, of fathoming but uh mm-hmm. <laughs> but but 
he was a guy who in the Astro system showed better pitch recognition than we saw in Buffalo and Toronto last year. And you mm-hmm. know, that was that was to me the red flag, right? Is that he's just striking out so much and you know, popped a few balls over the fence, but you worried about the about the approach and the and the contact skills. And yet I will acknowledge that, you know, I think he had a 20% strikeout rate in uh, in the AAA for for uh, Corpus Christi or whoever he played for in the Houston system last year, uh, which is okay, which is not which is not like 39% or whatever it was when he came over to the Jays. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's workable in that and, and he's had better rates in his career in the minors. And I tweeted the other day, you know, if... And perhaps this is what the Jays are seeing and working towards. But if you know, if he can mix, if he can mix the the approach and the eye and the ability to not strike out that he showed with in Houston with the power that he's showed in Buffalo and in Toronto so far, that yeah, that 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 could be something to that that's something that you, you would feel is pretty fucking good. And I don't, you know, it's still early, but the more it keeps working, the 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 better it goes. But I, I suppose. Uh, you know, looking at the the early like the the stats in last from last September and from when he came over to the organization, it looked really like this is a guy who is selling out for power. This is a guy who's going to strike out a ton, but when he does make contact, he's gonna he's gonna hit the ball a ton, and that's sort of what happened. And the way we're seeing him, like you say, you know, there was those takes against Kimbrel. I've seen you tweet about uh, you know when I was Juan Franciscoing him uh, <laughs> a little bit last week, like uh, a, like a like a ghoul. Like, like a, a total, total ghoul. Yeah, well, remember <laughs> But no, I but I think you're right that there that and and God, I don't want to rely on fucking Pat Tabler for my for for this kind of analysis. But you know, talking about his two strike approach as well, shortening up a little bit, and and mm-hmm. uh, and and you know those those goons are seeing things that they like there, which I mean they they like Alemis Diaz and don't notice that he's been terrible. But uh, but yeah, it, it's I. I I am not. I am dancing around saying no. I'm believing in it now, but it's it's mm-hmm. the more the longer it works, and the more you see it, and the more that you see that it might not just be all strikeouts and all home runs. The more you feel good about it because when he does, when he does fucking put a charge into one, it's ridiculous. And uh, and if you can keep doing that and keep the strikeouts at a manageable rate, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to like there, and maybe. Maybe this, maybe the change in stance. Maybe I, I don't know what they've done, mm-hmm. uh, but no, well, I, I, I am, I'm, will, I'm willing to believe that this isn't just a, a Juan Francisco Randy Ruiz guy who's, who's luckily popped the ball over the fence a few times. That there is more to it than that. When it's early and there is uh, kind of fluctuations, or when we are overreacting to to um, early season results, it. You know, you're hoping and trying to cling to those kind of dynamic changes. So if they are telling Pat Tabler or whomever, well, he opened his stance up. And if, if that means that he's, for, for example, getting a better look at the baseball mm-hmm. and he's, it's helping his pitch recognition because one number that sort of stands out to me on his, some of his, uh, you know, various and sundry stats pages is that he's, he's making a lot more contact with balls that are thrown in the zone. So if he's recognizing, you know, breaking balls early on and he's able to make an adjustment or if he's, if he's sitting on the fastball and seeing it and getting it and, and then being able to do damage with it, uh, 
if if it's the new stance that has opened up that eye, if it's if it's a new stance that is allowing him to kind of get that look earlier on, that's great. I'm 100% willing to uh, buy that story. I'm listening to the Blue Jays tell that story, and I'm watching Teoscar Hernandez live it. So I'm here, and I'm I'm happy to uh, happy to be along for the ride. Frankly, because you know, as you said. Uh, when he hits the ball, the results are, are fantastic. So any any steps that he and the team, uh, him, we want to give the credit to the player. The you know the the team makes their their uh, suggestions, but he's the guy who's up there doing it. Um, if there any any trend, anything that trends towards more contact for a guy with that kind of crazy power, sold. Sign me up. Can't take any. Can't sign up. Uh, can't be any more on board with that. I mean, I could be more on board, but yeah, no. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. Tell, I'm not saying. I'm not saying send him down or play anyone else. Mm. I mean, let's see where this goes. Like it's been, it's been wonderful. Um. So we're going a little long here. I don't know if we want to. Uh, we we had originally thought that we would talk about the Red Sox on Superbad. Of course, Superbad is the Patreon exclusive uh, segment that we do for the heroes who have headed over at one point or another in the last three years to patreon.com slash birds all day and uh, and kick us a couple bucks a month, then you can get access to those special segments. I don't think we're going to do the Red Sox. I think what we're going to do, we're going to talk about Rob Manfred and his visit to Toronto because we are uh, running a little long here on uh, on this episode. So we'll move the Rob Manfred stuff to super bad. We're going to move the Red Sox stuff to a dumpster where it belongs because nobody wants to talk about the fucking Red Sox. Um, as I remember myself, this guy in this chair saying... That is a good team. I was saying that all winter long. And now, lo and behold, they're an unbeatable, juggernaut, godless killing machine uh, team. Um, yeah, they, won't be that, that. they won't be that for long. But that's a pretty good team over there. Garbage. No, they're good. They are, uh, they're real good. They have a lot of good players. And uh, fuck them for, for that very reason. So it's important... Uh, as we do every week on Superbad, to talk about Vlad, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Mm. You wrote about him today. I um, did. You, you questioned, is he perhaps the best prospect in baseball now? Oh, I didn't question it. He is. Goddamn right he is. That'd be, you, <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's well, any doubt. I, I was ready to... I mean, to, if, Acuna, to, if Acuna's up, then who else is, uh, who else is there at this point? Well, he, I... It was. I think it might be getting to the point where, like, it almost doesn't matter where Acuna is. <laughs> He's uh, our 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 young our young adult son has uh, has done well at Double A so far. Uh, to Acuna's credit, he did have three hits today. Um, two of which were dog shit. Well, no, one was an infield single, one was a bloop to no man's land, and the other was a home run to the upper deck. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and yesterday, after his first big league single, I noted that uh, it was noted that he went first to third on a single to left field because he he uh, touched thirty meters per second as his uh, top sprint speed, which is classified as elite. So maybe maybe there's there's room for two very very good like seventy OFP players. I want to say um, that's I want to say that's feet per second, but nonetheless, still very impressive. Yeah, feet per second, thirty meters per second. <laughs> That's that's a, that's a fleet young man. The, <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty good. But uh, yeah, Acuna is great, and he's up with the Braves, at, which is good for him. He probably should have been there this whole time. But he had a home run today. Congratulations, Ronald Acuna. But our our very large son um, is just um, 
he gets a lot of hits. That guy, he sure can hit. <laughs> he is. He's really. He's really good. He's really good. I mean, I you know you've said it all along, but still, it's you know reading Baseball America stuff where it mentions Manny Ramirez or people talking about fucking. Uh, Miguel Cabrera, and it's like, it's like, see, like not, it still blows me away. Like, serious people who have jobs and want to maintain their credibility and can't be, you know, fucking Skip Bayless or some fucking moron goon just yeah. saying shit and then pretending the next day that they never said the dumbest thing in the universe. Like people with actual, <laughs> like, like, like actual serious people are with, with making skin these in comparisons. The yeah, it's it's. Uh, Jeff Paternastro, who, a uh, friend of the show, has, yeah. who has been here on, um, uh, Birds All Day, he wrote a scouting report that I would maybe describe as like, um, uh, it was like Rhapsodist. Like it was, it was, it was a rap. <laughs> he not only did, so he, he mentioned one of the names that you talked about. He said, how, like, how do you write a comp down for Miguel Cabrera? Like you, you, you just don't do that. You can't compare a player to Miguel Cabrera, who's one of the best right-handed hitters of well of his generation. Of and you could probably keep going back. Miguel Cabrera is a first ballot, no-brainer, all-time Hall of Famer, won a fucking triple crown for whatever that's worth. Um, <laughs> but not only did he comp Miguel Cabrera, or he openly questioned, "How do you do that? How can you comp Miguel Cabrera?" But then he wrote down, "Like what? What if he's better?" Like that was that was that was the debate that he had in writing his scouting report on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is like, how do you compare him to Miguel Cabrera, especially if he's better? Which is just so fucking insane to even consider. And it doesn't mean that Vlad Guerrero Jr. is gonna win the triple crown. He's not maybe not gonna be Miguel Cabrera. The odds against that are pretty good. But just that those are the kinds of conversations that you said, serious people, people with skin in the game, people who have professional reputations to maintain, people who would like to have a career in the, in the game, and because they already do. Wondering aloud, what if I compare him to Miguel Cabrera? <laughs> and the thing is, especially with position players, you mm-hmm. know, people are, people are very quick and rightfully so many times. I mean, I know you're prospects are for poor people's stance and and people people sneer about the prospect thing and you don't want to mm-hmm. don't get too too but when you're like he's literally with otani and acuna out of the way nobody's going to dispute except those weird jeff included those weirdos at bp who had uh labor torres ahead of him who's also in the big leagues now so he's not he's out of the way too and victor robles i think who's uh he got better news on his terrible elbow injury then yeah like, they thought he was gonna be out a year but it might not be quite as bad but it's still gonna be really anyway nobody's just nobody's going to dispute that the best player in minor league baseball is vladimir guerrero jr right now and the guys who reach that level the guys who get mm-hmm. to say that they are the number one prospect especially position players because i'm thinking of like your matt moores and whatever because pitchers just mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. Fun, uh the track record's pretty good. Like it's not like you mm-hmm. know, it's pretty good. Well, it's, it's not. It's not like this guy's the 16th best prospect. He's gonna be, our, you know, our, mm-hmm. our our cleanup hitter for the next 20 years. It's like no, no. But one like number one, number mm-hmm. one. Well, the, is the perfect pretty fucking something. The perfect uh, analogy is Andrew Benintendi. Andrew Benintendi's a nice player. He's a really good player. He's going to be a good player for a long time. He's going to make a lot of money. He's going to make. He's going to play for a lot of good teams. Um, but he happened to be the top prospect in baseball. 
he is maybe not like you don't compare Andrew Benintendi to Miguel Cabrera. He's he's not the kind of no. player that that is going to elicit that kind of like over the top, um, almost like existential crisis about how <laughs> do you accurately depict this guy's potential, not even potential, but like where he is today, right? I, 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 as I said, I don't mean to take anything away from Ben Benintendi, but like there, this is a tier, and Acuna is on that tier, and and Guerrero is on that tier, and and we've we've heard we've said this for a long time now, almost like talking ourselves into it that there are prospects, and then there are prospects, and and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is a like a capital P prospect, and he's only just continuing to prove it. At double A, by he just decided not to strike out anymore, but also hit for more power, which is a, a delightful combination yeah. that you would like that you like to see <laughs> from a nineteen-year-old player. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I mean, not to, not that, not that it is not not that it, you know Acuna's speed isn't a skill or Acuna's power isn't a skill, mm-hmm. but like and, and those, his like, defense isn't a skill. He, he could play center field even if he's yeah. not, you know, Kevin Kiermaier but, out there. I mean, and those are tools, and they are impressive. And the, and you know, there's a reason where he is what he is. But it's just, it's like, and, and we talked about this, and we 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 for a long time when uh, you know, in years ago when the Jays were drafting you know, Anthony Ghosts, guys or guys, you know, guys with upside, guys mm-hmm. with big loud tools, except the one that actually kind of really matters the most, which is the ability to actually hit the baseball. And Vlad doesn't have like hardly any of the other ones, but it's just like. On such a supernatural fucking talent, at the act, you know they're talking about putting eighty hit. They people have put an eighty hit on him. It's ridiculous. He it's hit just, an eighty power. Like the, again, two things like, that don't go together very often. Uh, like I don't know. I'd I'd have, I'd have enjoyed I'd have enjoyed seeing him get to face Chris Sale tonight. And I and I don't even know how how like. That I think he would have been overmatched. I think it would have been a fascinating thing to watch. I, it's and it's it's very obviously very easy to get excited about uh, about this, but I don't know. <laughs> like, like that's does he really need like how many how many sh- like fucking shitball and slop throwers and triple A does he need to see? Like, it's it, who benefits from that other than the Buffalo Bison? Yeah, it, it's. I, I mean, I. I would love to. I would love to see him. I would love to have seen him face Chris Sale. I would love to see him face real big league pitchers. So, are you gonna? Uh, uh, I guess that's the question. And and you know, are you have you'll have to go to uh, the Athletic to find out. But like, when is this going to happen? When is he gonna? When's it gonna? When will the call come? Well, here's more. I'll quote from your your piece, which is JJ Cooper. I, I mentioned Jeff. Uh, Jeff's story, but JJ Cooper, Baseball America, to savor it, everyone. Savor, literally savor <laughs> watching a guy play baseball. Let it soak in that we're getting to watch one of the best teenage hitters we'll ever see. There's a typo in your story. Produce night after night. <laughs> it's a t- it was is it, probably is a typ- it in the quote? Is it in the quote? It's in the quote, yeah. Okay, I just copy pasted, so that's, okay. not, that's not on me. <laughs> Most 19-year-old pro players are trying to figure out how to handle low-class A. Guerrero, who just turned last month, is dominating double-A. And like, it, 
there's no other way around that. And we'll come back to what we we, we will wrap it up now because we are going like bananas long after we had our our uh, our treatise off the, <laughs> off the off the top. But uh, um, it's it's not a mat. It's it's a matter of when. And I I don't want to think that there's any reason to not have it be this year. There there is no reason. Like, your, your point is a strong one. Like, what does he have to show at AAA? It's I mean, it hasn't been that many games at AA, but I mean, if this mm-hmm. if this is what if this is what mm-hmm. it is, if if this keeps being what it is, yeah, what what does that who does that serve other than the Bison's? Like, it, and I, I understand that it might not be easy to find him at bats in the big league squad but it shouldn't really be that hard actually that, it doesn't uh, need to be hard to find them at bats you can find them it's a matter of what are you willing to how much are the how what are they willing to do to get there but yeah we talk so much about sample size and sort of baked into the kinds of baseball conversations that we have at this this stage and not overreacting to this or to that but like there's no there's no batting average on balls and play luck associated with seven strikeouts and 82 plate appearances <laughs> There does not. It's ridiculous. That, that, that's that's not luck. You don't luck into seven strikeouts and seven walks in tw- in eighty two plate appearances. It just that's just a special ability that not many people have at any age, and he has it at nineteen. Um, in a and it I don't know. It's just exciting, and it's it's gonna it's it's sooner rather than later at, at this point. And he's he's doing exactly what they said, which is force his way into the team, right? They. The, the Jays are not going to hold him back if he just continues to force the issue and insert himself into the conversation about a guy who could maybe make this team better. Uh, he could all, he'll obviously would inject it, a lot of excitement into the team and he can probably make them better. It's, I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. And it's, it's, we're moving to the point where you're not thinking about development and a prospect and what he needs to do to be as good as he can when he becomes a finished product, you it's at the stage where it's like, I think this guy fucking helps them more than Kendris Morales or more than Randall Gritchick or more than a bunch of guys that might already be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and I'm sure they're going to be cautious and they've always said the right things and they've never really been super, uh, and not that they ever would, but they haven't been keen on the idea or very, or, or, or eager to say, Oh yeah, he's, he's coming fast. But, I mean, you just can't ignore it at this at this point. And I, I think, I mean, I think they they will continue to let him do what he's doing in Double A for another month for sure. Two more months after that, I mean, at the, if if he has another if he has another month like this in May, in mid June, like, what are you what what are you doing if you're not Thinking about calling him up, you got to be thinking about whether that's a guy who can help your team. And I, I think you would you would hate to see him go down, and you would hate to you know. Anthopolis would always talk about you know you want to call a guy up and he's up for good and he doesn't have to go back mm-hmm. down. Um, I don't know. He just has shown such a special ability at such a crucial skill at the like focal point of the whole goddamn sport. Uh, that I don't know how worried you are that he's ever going to have to go back down. Mike Trout went back down, and it did not affect him so much. 
Also true. Very true. Uh, Mike Mike Trout was 18 <laughs> in the big leagues, but no, so he was 19. Harper was 18, but uh, but uh, we're getting into that. And, and if he comes and he struggles, uh, if Vladimir Guerrero Jr. comes to the big leagues and struggles like Mike Trout did. Okay. Set, set again. him to Buffalo. Send him to Buffalo, and he'll be back again. He'll he won't have trouble with those fucking international league pitchers. I do not believe the Drew I think you're right. of the world will not uh, <laughs> will not phase Vlad Guerrero Jr. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's wrap this up. So, as we said, we're going to talk about the Rob Manfred stuff about uh, Dunedin and about the stadium and what it means. Uh, in Toronto, some of the the Rob Manfred and and uh, Mark Shapiro. Uh, marching in lockstep, speaking the same corporate doublespeak as it relates to the uh, the Rogers Center. But uh, uh, that's it, right? You got anything else? Nothing else. Nothing else. All right. Well, for Andrew Stoughton, my name is Drew Fairstar. Thank you for tolerating our uh, self-righteousness off the top. The Blue Jays are, uh, I don't know what they're doing. Whatever. They lost to the Red Sox. Who cares? Vladdy, coming soon. Talk to you next week on Birds All Day. (laughs) 